Hey everybody, welcome to Right Behind Us, the music conversation podcast hosted by me, Brandon Daniel, of the Seattle band Beatty and the Sheiks. It's been a very good week. Wrote a new song. Uh, I know you don't care about that, but I do. Made made the week even better. Uh, Got to go to two of my favorite theaters to speak with some really great artists. Uh, Spoke with Val Lopper from uh, the band Bare Hands. And they're an East Coast Brooklyn band. And uh, they're out doing their first night of their tour. Um, And they were at the Paramount in Seattle, which is a beautiful theater that I love going to. And it was my first time in their green room slash uh, dressing room area there, backstage, basically. And that was cool. That was a lot of fun. And that Friday was just a really freaking great day. Uh, A lot of good things happened. Got paid. Uh, You know surprising amount a check that I didn't know was coming from sound exchange so um, to all you musicians out there if you have recorded music that's out on the internet go finish your sound exchange account it's a little bit uh, this is a free plug from uh, for them but um, I'm only saying it because it made for such a great day for me and such a, a nice little paycheck um, yeah you need to get your digital stream uh, payments so you got to do that with sound exchange I'm also on BMI and that's I'm used to getting those checks but it's always great getting money you weren't expecting right so uh, and then last Saturday this past Saturday I went to another great venue here in Seattle called the Showbox, and I spoke with uh, Same Yamada from the band Mundo so I'm giving you both those interviews in this episode wasn't able to talk to Val for too long so uh, but he did he did really get to the point, you know, and uh, it's a it's a worthwhile conversation to listen in on. They're a successful band, you know. It's like interesting to hear what how they did it, and he talks about that a little bit. He talks about um, how they're doing things with their own record label right now, and um, so let's get to it. But before we do, we need to talk about our sponsor today, Hairball Audio. For nearly a decade, Hairball Audio has helped musicians and recording studios improve their recordings by offering high-quality outboard recording equipment in DIY kit form. If you're looking to add a great-sounding microphone preamplifier or compressor to improve your mix, Hairball Audio has you covered. DIY kits include the highest quality USA-made custom components and all units are hand-built by you. Hairball Audio's easy-to-follow build guides and support forums make building great recording equipment easy for anyone, from experts to first-time builders. Don't settle for cheap-made, poor-sounding, mass-produced gear sold at the big-box retailers. Hairball Audio has everything you need to join the DIY revolution and transform your recording studio at a fraction of the cost without compromising on sound and quality. Check out the full line of compressors, mic preamps, and DIY parts at hairballaudio.com. And for being a listener to this show, you get a 5% discount on your checkout. Just enter the promo code WBU for right behind us on checkout at hairballaudio.com and begin transforming your studio today. All right, this is off of their last record, put out in 2014. And it is not their new record, which their new album is called uh, You'll Pay For This, and there's a lot of great tracks on that. You should check it out. But I think you'll recognize this song. It's off of their 2014 album, Distraction, and it's called Giants. Here's Val. (laughs) 
long time. Well, one, we've never played live. Uh-huh. And we just worked it out yesterday when we flew in. And one song that's really old, but we haven't played in many yeah. years, so the soundtrack was kind of nerve-wracking. We didn't, like, <laughs> we didn't play a song that we were, you know, can nail, and then just yeah. be like, oh, it sounds great in here. We are just kind of, like, anxious the whole time, so we'll see how it goes with people oh. in there. Yeah, well, I think that's really neat and it was like almost uh the kind of thing that should be like tweeted out or something just so that you know because as a a fan you like that's the kind of stuff you want to see that's true oh man that this song kills and i've never seen it before or they haven't played that in forever those are the kind of things that people really like feel like they were treated by yeah we haven't played seattle in a minute either so it'll be good yeah uh where are you living now i live in new york i live in brooklyn um our singer and guitar player just moved to LA a few weeks ago, though. Oh, really? So we're bi coastal now. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Was that weird when he announced that? Um, well, it's been talked about a lot, and mm-hmm. it's kind of it's been a brewing inevitability for the past few years. Um, our singer's girlfriend lives there, and our guitar player's girlfriend lives there. Oh. So, it, you know, they spend so much time out there. Yeah. You get sick of New York winters. Right. It's, you know, we saw it coming. But you get sick of 360 days of sun in L.A. too. Yeah, I feel that. But uh, all of us growing up on the East Coast forever, you yeah. know, a change of pace at least for a little bit would be nice. Yeah, that's like like the a, a very common tale in the entertainment industry in general. Yeah, totally. Um, so where did you grow up? I grew up in Connecticut. Um, three out of four of us did. Yeah. All around uh, Hartford area. Ted, our guitar players from uh, Upper East Side in Manhattan, but we met in New York, like uh, I don't know, 10, 11 years ago. Because Ted and Dylan went to West Wesley. Wesleyan, yeah. Yeah, and um, but you didn't. No, I went to University of Connecticut, and TJ and I, our drummer, we grew up like, ironically, like 10 minutes away from Wesleyan. So like, I grew up, <laughs> I grew up going to like, you know, punk and hardcore shows there, like in the 90s right right way before you know they were going there it was kind of weird to go back yeah and like you know mid 2000s and play shows yeah it's like oh i know this place so what kind of um what kind of household did you come from what kind of uh both your parents um my parents my dad worked my mom was a stay-at-home mom i have Two brother, or I have one brother and one sister, two uh-huh. siblings. They're uh-huh. both younger. Oh, you're um, the oldest. I'm the oldest, yeah. And yeah, I don't know. My family's great. Yeah. I have nothing but good things to say about them. I had a really, really normal, almost sheltered upbringing, I would say, yeah. in like middle class suburban Connecticut. Probably right. like as close to a fucking, you know, 2.3 kids in a white picket fence as you can get, I guess. Really? Yeah. What did your dad do? My dad worked in the irrigation industry. He was mm-hmm. uh, a superintendent at golf courses, and then he worked for a place called Toro Irrigation. Like, they make snowblowers and mowers and stuff like oh, that. Okay. So we always had like a really nice lawn. <laughs> my dad would like stare out the window when like my friends would drive in to make sure they like didn't drive their car on my grass. It's like, and he probably always had like a snowblower. And stuff. Yeah, man. We always had like we had really baller snowblowers and, and, and mowers and stuff. Well, that stuff is important when you're a kid. It makes you feel a sense of security. <laughs> yeah, man, it's cool. Like, I, you know, as you get older, you realize the fundamentals of uh, people growing up in those formative years. 
those shape the way that you interact with the world and they shape the way that you view people and the way that you deal with situations, the way you deal yeah. with stress, the way that you interact with love. And um, I think that I'm incredibly thankful of the solid foundation I had because I know a lot of friends who, you know, had parents get divorced or had fucked up mm. shit go on when they were kids. Yeah. And, you know, they have problems that have manifested themselves later in life, whether yeah. it's like drugs or instability in other regards. Not to say that I don't have my own problems, but sure. sometimes it's just so, it's so transparent, it's so clear. I'm, I'm just, I'm happy that I was at least afforded a good foundation. Then, then I made all the stupid decisions on my own. <laughs> Right. Well, no, I mean, and, and, and I, I think that I'm a parent myself and I, and I think that, you know, that's pretty much the, what happened for you is pretty much the ultimate goal of any parent. Yeah. Like, let's just give this kid everything that we can get him through, you know, uh, be to becoming the best person he can be. Of course he's going to do, you know, he's going to fuck up here and there. Yeah. But that's really neat. And it's not every day that you hear this story, especially from an artist. No. And I, and I recognize the rarity of that, which mm-hmm. is like makes me even more um thankful for it yeah well did you feel like it 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 in a way uh maybe contributed to your art because the, you uh felt comfortable expressing yourself and being artistic? absolutely yeah my parents yeah. were unconditionally supportive from yeah from day one you know they didn't really want me to play drums but luckily i wanted to play guitar um, <laughs> but yeah they let me play music with my friends in my basement and like let me play loud music at all hours of the night and (laughs) never told me to shut up and I know some friends who weren't so lucky so yeah it's cool that let me get good what what was the impetus Uh, do you remember the moment in in, in which you went oh um, I want to be in a band or I want to play this instrument um you know stock answer Nirvana you know but that's a great stock answer though it's okay with me I I was playing violin for a couple mm-hmm. years, and uh, in sixth grade, I stopped playing the like I would play the violin. I would turn it sideways and play it like a guitar. Uh-huh. And like, our, it's funny because our uh, our front of house guys does front of house for Helmet, mm-hmm. and so I always tell them this story because like I unsung the first single by Helmet had just come out and so I learned how to play unsung by Helmet on violin but I would play it like guitar (laughs) and I would refuse to play it like violin Mm. so my orchestra teacher called my parents and was like hey he won't stop playing this song you should probably get him a guitar (laughs) and so that Christmas they bought me a guitar and I never touched the violin again so you didn't even have to ask for the guitar it was just no it was yeah I mean I kind of like I was hinting at it but when they got the call from the school that like was refusing to play the violin. They kind of got the hint. And pretty cool of the uh, music teacher. To yeah. Even su- suggest. I think of, I like, squashing your. Yeah, I mean, I think it was like equally suggesting and kind of like scolding me, <laughs> but you know. Yeah. So uh, what happened from there? Um, started playing in punk bands, hardcore bands, ska bands, anything you can imagine, like. Mm-hmm. Um, for high school, then I joined a, actually how I met Dylan is I played in a punk band my end of high school, freshman year of college with one of the dudes from the band Dropkick Murphys, who Dylan, our singer, was, went to high school with and they were good friends. Oh, wow. And so that's how I met Dylan, but I did my first touring with that band and then me and TJ, our drummer, had a hardcore band called In Pieces that we toured 
together in for a little over six years, and Dylan uh, was a fan, and his old band played with us a few shows. So uh, that's how, when that band broke up, we both immediately moved to New York, and TJ started working at Guitar Center. Right. And Dylan came into Guitar Center and was like, hey, I remember you guys from In Pieces. Like, I'm, or, I'm trying to make this demo. Yeah. Can you play with me? And was this like at this hardcore band? Was this like in kind of at the drive-in days? Yeah, this was '99 to 2005. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That was like happening. Again. At the drive-in was like, yeah, it was yeah. was an influence for sure. Yeah, well, they were, we were definitely heavier than that, but yeah. Well, I'm just saying, you know, when a band like that like peaks up into you know like pop culture, you're like. Okay, there's definitely a movement going on. Mm -hmm. I just remember that happening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when relationship came out, that was a big deal for everyone. Yeah, and so, um, so you guys all kind of formed once you're in New York together. Yeah, yeah. We we had our first practice in Midtown Manhattan. I met Ted, our guitar player, at our first band practice. Uh -huh. He brought it. Dylan brought in Ted because they were friends at school, and he brought in me and. TJ because he knew us from Connecticut and playing hard, hardcore shows. Yeah, lineup. so he put it together. Yeah. Just He gave us like a three-song demo, and he was like, just write something, and then we'll get into a room and figure it out. And then we got into practice space, wrote two songs the first night, and we're like, oh, this is it's okay. So let's record these songs and then never talk to each other again. Uh -huh. And we recorded <laughs> the songs, and then we're like, oh, this actually sounds good. This was like August. Yeah. And they were going back to school in September. We were like, maybe let's we'll just play one show. Just uh -huh. say that we did it. Play a show. You guys go back to school. And then we'll say, fuck it. Uh -huh. And then one show became two. And before you know it, we just kept doing it. Yeah. And the I, I heard Dylan on a, on, a, on a different interview talking about the, the demo that uh -huh. made its way to... Uh, your first record label, like an, an indie record label. Yeah. What, what, what label was that? It was called Love Minus Zero. It uh -huh. was a subsidiary of drive Through Records. Oh, cool. So it was already a subsidiary. Because a lot of... I was just talking with somebody the other day. I can't remember who, so there's no conflict of interest. But um, And they... Because and, it wasn't an interview, but they were saying... You know that they were putting their record out through, and their band's doing pretty well. But they're putting it out mm -hmm. through this um, indie label, and I was like, I could just tell by the tone in his voice that it was a shitty situation. Cause mm -hmm. So often it oh, yeah. is. So how how was it different for you? I'm sure you've been through that probably before uh, this band too. Yeah, my old band, we were on an independent label and that was fine i mean it was mm -hmm. like in the hardcore scene so sure. it was like a handshake deal two records we fulfilled it we tore it on it it was cool then we, cool then we broke yeah. up yeah with this band like we've we've had no label we've been on a major label we've um we've been on a couple independent labels like we've like run the gamut now we have our own label and that's wow. the best yeah but who's running that uh, all of us, the band, wow. the band, and our management. We have an imprint wow. through a management company. So, do you are do you take on a role in that? Like a no one. I, I, people at our management company kind of take on specific roles, uh -huh. um, but no, like we're like judge, jury, and executioner. Yeah, but so, but you don't have to like uh, push no. some pencils and no, 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 no. Like we're it's just like general decision making. We right. we have weekly meetings, sit down, like you know. Uh, go through what's going on, yeah. uh, prove the budget. If we wow. want to figure out uh, how we want to, who we want to hire and yeah. whatever, it's just, I mean, 
full transparency. Highly recommend that's it if you if you great. can find the infrastructure to nurture that. <laughs> yes, if you come across the means and the yeah, infrastructure totally. to do. Yeah. So, um, what was the what was the situation? I'm just kind of interested in the story of like, okay, we get on this this uh, indie label. Uh-huh. What happens from there? Because I mean, you guys ended up with a huge hit and giants and everything, and you know, you have another new record that's doing well. What what was that storyline? Um. Well, we put stuff out through our friends. Uh, we put our first full length out through uh, a label called Cantora, who we put our second record out with, um, and we put out some singles in Europe and stuff, mm-hmm. and a couple small labels. Um, but then did they approach you, or or did that? Just yeah, actually, we toured. Deal? We toured in uh, the UK a lot early on really yeah like we actually had far more success in the uk than we did in america was first. that a like, good idea or was did well our manager uh our first manager was british mm-hmm. and she had managed a bunch of british bands that did really well and she just had a lot of contacts That's over there cool. so she signed on with us really really early on mm-hmm. and so because of that she had all of her contacts in england so she was able to uh, you know, build up hype with NME and, you know, BBC Six and then ultimately BBC One. Yeah. And so, like, we sold out our first show in London before we ever sold out a show in New York. Yeah. So that, cool. that was crazy. It was like Strokes mentality. Like, yeah. that was like the kind yeah. of thing in the early 2000s where you try to get uh, England interested yeah. and then the rest of the world will follow suit, especially if, if NME writes like a, like... Which still happens. Which still yeah. happens. Yeah. I don't think it happens with as much frequency because, right. like, NME has kind of jumped the... Sh- jump the shark in regards to like you know i crazy hyperbole on on you know every band that they they profile (laughs) and you know it's like it's like the magazine that cried wolf after a while right right but um but yeah so uh did well over there for a little bit and then we just came back and basically tore our asses off here for a while, um, mm-hmm. had a lull, signed with a new management company, stayed with Cantora and put out Distraction, which was the uh, record we did in 2014, which had Giants on it. Yeah. And then that was like with the signing to a new management company. We had a whole right. new group of people working with us. It exposed us to radio, which we had never been on before. Right. And that really, I mean, that changed a lot of things. And then that's what led to us the story getting back over to Europe, which we hadn't been to in a while, and that's when we signed to Warner Brothers over there, and then we went back to the UK, and then we got to do some tours in Europe, and that was really fun, and then the record didn't do very well, so they dropped us. We had our we had our contract fulfilled with Cantora, our domestic label, uh-huh. and then that's when the conversation became, do we try to find another major, or do we co- go inward and uh just do things ourselves because yeah if we have if we have the resources at our fingertips right. then why why add one more layer to you know to something Definitely. that doesn't need it so Definitely. we decided to take matters into our own hands and it's been it's been really smooth that's a really cool story though and i'm glad you yeah. you, you you managed to like rush <laughs> through it real quick but but yeah. still give the and that was the, the past meat. 10 years of my life <laughs> yeah <laughs> the potatoes and the gravy are are waiting on the side still but yeah. that was definitely the meat and 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 good for you i mean that's just a, a very smart move and and uh i bet a lot of people would like to, to yeah i mean i'm i'm incredibly thankful that we've been afforded this 
opportunity. That's why we're trying to be as smart about it. And yeah, as we can, you know, we're older now. We've been a band for 10 years. Like we're, yeah. we're frugal, you know, like we're not, we're not like balling out and trying to fucking, you know, <laughs> yeah. buy a shit ton of chains, even though I'd like to. Um, <laughs> yeah. We're just trying to like make the smartest business decisions we can. Which is great. Keep growing and just become a better, more self-sufficient band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a big, it's a big ask, you know, like making a lifelong career or at least a career-long career, yeah, out of entertainment, and uh, but I mean, I like to think that it's possible. So you guys are doing a pretty good job. Thanks, man. I hope, <laughs> I, I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 good to see people's success like yours. Definitely. Thanks, man. Yes. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, great talking with you. Thank you so much. Nice to talk to you too. Yeah, yeah. All right, and that was great talking with Val from Bare Hands, and you can check them out right now on tour pretty much all over the country. I think they're done with their West Coast leg of this tour, but uh, I know they're in Dallas tonight, and then moving up through the Midwest. I think they still have an Arizona date ahead, uh, and then they're touring through the South and the East Coast. It's a big tour with the, another great UK group called Foles. And um, so yeah, go check them out. If you get to see them live, that would be great. Okay. Have you ever wanted to hear Dinosaur Jr. soundcheck? Well, you're gonna get to, because uh, I was speaking with uh, Sine uh, Yamada from the group Mundo, and uh, they're on tour with Dinosaur Jr., and uh, there was a lot of bleed through. It was pretty loud, even though we were in the green room backstage, it wasn't far enough from the stage. So, um, but you know what? You can hear her the entire time and her story is still interesting and, and really cool. So we're giving it to you. Okay, uh, we need to thank our sponsor for today, Blumenstein Audio. Check out Blumenstein Audio for the ultimate and high fidelity single driver speakers, subwoofers, and audio accessories for music lovers. This is the ultimate beautiful sound system to hook up to your turntable or hell I even have mine hooked up to my TV as well and enjoy the luxurious sounds of this beautiful design and it you know it makes my place look nicer too it's just it'll it could make your cardboard box look nicer so check them out at Blumenstein Audio B-L-U-M-E-N-S-T-E-I-N audio.com Enter the promo code BD for Brandon Daniel, and you'll get a 10% discount on your order, which is a lot. That's a lot. So, do it. Okay. This is Sine from Moon Duo. Yeah, well, they um, the ships have been going for about 
three years when mm-hmm. we started, mm-hmm. um, and they were. Uh, you know, we were in our a couple, and they were getting all these opportunities, um, but because of people's different jobs and family mm-hmm. situations, they mm-hmm. couldn't really take advantage of everything. And um, Ripley and I both had day jobs at the time, but um, he just suggested one day, he's like, you know, do you want to start a band, just you and me? Yeah. Because it would be so easy. You know, we could just, it would be fun. Yeah. We could just pack up our car. We could be really (laughs) mobile. And we could see how much noise we can make as two people. Mm -hmm. And I said, that sounds great. So... Oh, that's awesome. That's how we started. And we just, it was kind of um, just an experiment at first. Yeah. And also, I, I think I was, um, I had wanted to be a writer for a long time. And mm-hmm. I had reached a point where I was pretty frustrated right. with that. And so um, the band was this great other road to pursue. And yeah. um, just felt really interesting and fun and yeah it's that it is not an everyday story though to go from wanting to be a writer which is a fairly introverted task it is to you know (laughs) wanting to stand on the stage and or just to to standing on stage and performing for people it's like polar opposites really yeah it's pretty opposite yeah but at the same time i feel like um i don't know when you have creative desire it can you can filter it through a number of different mediums and it it ends up manifesting itself in different ways but yeah um it's possible to channel it in other ways and it can be really interesting well and and it started with uh like you you guys were dating already yeah and so that is interesting because it makes sense and there's people who have done that obviously you know uh, famous stories of it but it's it's always fascinating to me because the, the chemistry would be different in a way that I have to assume is stronger but at the same time it's not easy to work with your loved one with your spouse forever. yeah it can be tricky I mean it's uh, I think we have it pretty good um, but we're, you know, we're lucky. Mm-hmm. We get along generally and manage to be on the same page yeah. about most things. And I think, I mean, yeah, it, it has its challenges like anything, but it's, you know, when you sign on for the long haul with somebody, it's great to actually be able to spend a lot of time with them and yeah um to invest in something together that's when i go when i go on the tour i my drummer actually said to me first time we toured together we're gone for a month and and he's like i have a little son too he's like oh wow yeah he's like oh man i thought when we were leaving that you were gonna miss your son so much and he's like and you did but i was really surprised to see like how missed your wife the most yeah you know and I do kind of go nuts without her um yeah, I can there's something that. in the counterbalance of existence with the, the right person that makes yeah. not necessarily the day easier but makes like 
life a little more centered. Yeah, you have your symbiosis. And yeah, you... yeah. So I could see that. And <laughs> recently, we got offered to do a, a, a festival far away in, in Indonesia. Oh, cool! Wow, and that's so good. So they're like, um, my wife's like, oh, I'm coming. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care if I have to play tambourine. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the first time I thought about putting her in a group, but, yeah. you know, it, it makes more sense to me than, like, say, starting a company. Yeah. I mean, it all depends. It It's different for everybody. Yeah. I mean, for... Yeah. I had I studied piano as a kid. Yeah. And kind of got away from it. And it was really... It was good to come back. Well, that's one of the things I always like to find out about. It's like, what? When did you start being musical in your life? Um, as a kid, really, I um, I grew up in LA until I was eight, and I had this great um, piano teacher. She was like this classic LA Laurel Canyon hippie, mm-hmm. and she was really wonderful. And uh, I was really into playing piano and um what did you want to play like i'm always interested in what kids wanted to play when they start because i never got piano lessons when i was a kid but i'm always interested like because it, it can be a daunting instrument to just as a kid if you don't have something that you want yeah to i will i <laughs> at first i wanted to play i was like five and i'd just <laughs> seen the sound of music mm-hmm. and i really loved it so i wanted to play all the songs from Sound of Music. Which is a great place to start. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, you get like Doe Deer in there, and yeah. it's all, yeah. it's all good. Um, and then I, my parents had this music collection, so I wanted to play like stuff that I totally couldn't play. Like I wanted to play some Bob Dylan songs and Joni Mitchell and yeah. the Beatles yeah. and all this stuff. Um, but I just really wanted to play. I was so like enchanted with um, being able to make sound. Yeah. You know, and and string notes together and create yeah. um, create melodies. Well, I mean, what? Um, so, how long did that go on? It went on for a while. We actually, when we moved from LA, we moved to Ann Arbor, Michigan, and Whoa. I started taking lessons there too. But that was with a teacher who was much more like rigid and yeah. classical and. Um, I wasn't really my bag so much, yeah. um, and then I kind of drifted away, lost interest after a while. I guess I stopped when I was 12, 13. Too bad, so that's an age where, you know, creatively things can really take off. Yeah, and I would still mess around, like try and figure out pop songs and stuff and uh-huh. music that I liked, but I, I stopped studying or like with like a Casio keyboard or something like that or with the piano and the I think we had some kind of Casio with all the little programmed drum beats you know like the Roomba and the yeah (laughs) yeah they're actually like now that they're nostalgic they're actually like a really good idea yeah yeah (laughs) I have a buddy who like made a whole tape like album length of just this thing on a called a button machine oh yeah it was like one from the 70s where all that stuff was built in and then you just like play along that's awesome I love that what do you play what's that what do you play well I play guitar and bass primarily but like in my own group but I just got a 1990s 
Well, there's a lot of keys in our group, and like we're they're owned by the group. So from time to time, I'll bring like the moat back to my house. Yeah. Or whatever. I mess around with it, but like, I just got a 1990 Yamaha. Oh wow. And it's like, you remember that show that just aired recently Stranger Things yeah it's like all the, the all those sounds oh nice into this thing. that's great and um and it's really fun but watching you play the keys I was like okay you do the thing that I always want to do but I can't I don't know why maybe it's because I can't really play but <laughs> when, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm playing along to a track like I'm just following Literally, and then maybe a correct line. But watching you play, it's like you're always, um, and I don't have like an eloquent way of, of describing this, but you're always playing like a rhythm, you know, that that complements the, either the, the song or the melody, you know, and um, that's my favorite kind of, of synth playing. Or is that just like a. And when you're approaching your guys' music, I mean, are, you, are you thinking about that? Or is it just coming out? Um, well, I think I do think about it in a, from a somewhat rhythmic perspective because I, I play the bass lines with my left hand. Right. So that's always sort of in the back of my head. Yeah. Like, what's the. How's the bass gonna fit? And then yeah. how's the key? How are the key parts gonna fit with the bass? Um, but I really like. I feel like a lot of the early rock and roll dance music had like really rhythmic, groovy yeah. piano to it that um, that sort of drives the momentum of the song mm-hmm. along. And um, I love. I love when keys can play that kind of role in a song like the propulsive role yeah you know where they they're um, sort of like giving a lift to everything you're just keeping keeping the wheels spinning totally yeah there's certain key lines that will come in and just like kind of lift everything up it's kind of the thing that turns the ear on like what yeah <laughs> oh this song is oh this is big now <laughs> Which is totally the antithesis of how a guitar does it, you know, unless it's like a solo or something. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think in 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 our group, like in our sound, the keys play a much more repetitive role. Uh-huh. Like I feel like I'm sort of the pattern maker. Right. And and Ripley. Um, more abstract like he dances yeah. on top with the guitar right and um and he likes playing with effects and, yeah you know yeah it's kind of changed in that way but i think i like i like that juxtaposition like i like when i think that the what goes on with the guitar can stand out more if it's on the backdrop of something that is like um, that is repetitive and yeah. impulsive. I, I think, you know, groups like Can and Noi and obviously Crapwork without the guitar do a lot of that. But like the, um, I think you can bring like a, a classic guitar rock sound yeah. in and merge it with a 
repetitive synth Did you, feeling. What, since you guys were already dating, when uh, Ripley suggested doing the group, was there even a question about what type of music you were going to play, or did it, did it just come? It's because you probably, as a couple, you probably already had similar tastes in music. Yeah. Did we, it just come naturally in that way? Well, we like a lot of the same kind of music, so there was always going to be like the influence of Velvet Underground or Suicide, and um, I think especially Suicide was really inspiring because of what they were able to do with minimal personnel right. and equipment and that was kind of what we wanted to <laughs> delve into also. I, I hate hearing these comparisons sometimes as a musician but I, I couldn't help but feel like, especially on the newest record, that there was a little bit of modern lovers almost in there. Oh really? Rhythmically. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. But people I know just associate to like what they know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You're> projecting. <laughs> That's cool. I, I like the modern lovers, but I can't claim to what is the most, listen to them the whole. What is the most ridiculous comparison you've got? God, I don't know. Like um, from like a real asshole. Who's <laughs> just trying to. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't think I've ever gotten anything that was so left field. Really? Yeah. That's nice. Why have you gotten anything? Yeah. Really? And I just, that's why I had to get like good at it. Yeah. You know, like accepting it, just like in and understanding that people just project what they know. What, what's the worst thing you've ever been told? Really? Shame said like Bon Jovi. <laughs> <laughs> not what you're going for. <laughs> never, never in my life. <laughs> no. Um, what, what caused your move together to Colorado? Well, we decided to try and do the band full-time. Um, Ripley got laid off in the downturn in 2008, I guess. And um, so... What was he doing? He was working in tech in San Francisco. He was a systems administrator. I was teaching English. Wow. And um, where? At this uh, at a private school in the South Bay. Oh, cool. Um, I was. I mean, it was interesting. Like high school. Uh, middle school. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh my God, you're brave. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it can be rough, but they're I mean the kids are funny. Yeah, they're they're not that bad. English is a good subject. Too. Yeah, you can really turn them on to some things, and when they get excited, it's it's did a good debate, time. Or not debate? Did you like you know talk about like the best English classes I always had? Or like the teacher would get you to talk about this. Of course, is college. But the teacher would get you to talk about like what was in the book and. Yeah. You look at it in different ways, and you're like, oh my god, I have no idea that this book 
Yeah, we talked a lot about symbolism, like about what symbolism is and what how things can represent not just themselves but yeah. something beyond themselves. And right. they were really into that. That's like uh, pulling back the curtain. Yeah. For sure, on writing. And yeah. How cool that since you were a writer and you you know that was a passion of yours that you would teach it as well. It's kind of. It was fun. Uh, the teaching was incredibly difficult. It's. I mean, I have more respect for good teachers than just about anybody. It's a really hard job. That's why I um, think most of them are alcoholics. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's crazy. But I, I wasn't, I that was kind of why. I was frustrated with writing because I didn't have any time or the mental space. Yeah. Um, so Colorado was the nice Yeah. I, I, when... Quickly got laid off. We were just trying to figure out what the next move was. And we started getting some more opportunities with the band, and so we thought we'd give it a try for a few years. Um, so we couldn't afford San Francisco anymore yeah. at that point. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, but we had the chance to stay at this place um, that some family offered to us, which was really generous. That's awesome. So we kind of put everything in storage and went on tour most of the time and would like land in this really beautiful remote town in Colorado. Did you find that, like, that writing bug was back when you were out there and had that space and time? Um, I, I always write a little bit on the side, but mostly I would we decided to do the, the band and I was really into just throwing myself into yeah. into music yeah. and just completely committing and so that's that's what I did I've always thought it's important to commit to oh, yeah. whatever form of creativity you're going to channel through yeah you know? if you decide to get serious about something yeah. you gotta get serious I mean I almost feel like I like I, I cut out opportunities in my life by focusing too early. Oh yeah. And, you know, like, Have I, you been playing music your whole life? Since I was a kid, just like everybody else, similar timeline and stuff. But um, no, just committing to it. I committed to it at like fifteen. Yeah. Like, sports done with everything, just music. I didn't even have a hobby until I was in like my mid twenties. What's your hobby? Now it's skateboarding. Oh cool. It's a silly hobby, but I get to do it. That's fun. Yeah, I get to do it with my kid. So. That's great. Yeah. But then I learned the, the beauty of a hobby. <laughs> 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 okay, no pressure. Right. <laughs> um, were you surprised when you started touring by the spaceship lifestyle that it is? Um, I was definitely up for it. I've always loved traveling and road trips and kind of pulling up anchor and wandering around. Um, but it was a radical shift from teaching life because that's incredibly regimented. You know, your whole day is scheduled. You eat when the bell rings. <laughs> and like, to just cut that off and get in the minivan and hit the road for months on end was um, great and radically different. Yeah, it must have been fun though as a couple, because that 
yeah. it's fun as a band, you know. But, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, when you got your number one there all the time. Yeah, it's, with, it's a pretty extraordinary thing to share with other people. I feel like, you know, you get into your adult life and when you have your job and your home, you spend all this time with different people and going on the road, I feel like you spend time with people in a way that I hadn't really spent time with people since I was younger, since I was like a teenager and I had all this time, it was before I had you know, adult responsibilities and... Oh, and isn't that weird? Like, the generosity. Yeah. These people are doing this for us right now, but it all makes sense, too. Yeah. That's pretty weird. It's not a great word for it, but... (laughs) It's an unusual thing. It's an unusual thing to find at this point in life, I think. And I'm glad for it. It's a gypsy lifestyle. Yeah. In a way. Not one that you purposely set up just because you set up a tour and you're seeking to go be a gypsy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like you have these mental mode shifts. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have. It always takes me about a week to readjust when we stop, we come off the road and yeah. get home. Do you find that? Yes. Especially with a Oh yeah, oh god, yeah, that must oh, be intense. Yeah. Because you know, yeah. like, that's all been going on without you. Yeah, she's really yeah. forgiving, thankfully. Yeah. Like, doesn't care that I need time to adjust. Um, but I want to. I want to be like that the next day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's hard because you're like, it's like getting over being, having the flu or something. You're like, yeah, you're disoriented. Yeah. You have to find your way back into the. Routine and the and it's also sitting weird still. because this is like this because touring is this like spaceship existence and like you said all the unique things that happen with it it's always weird to so think too especially around the summer and the fall spring and times like this mm-hmm. when there's so many other bands on tour yeah you pull into a gas station and you'll meet other yeah yeah totally it's it's great you. It ends up feeling like this loose-knit community that sort yeah. of spans all over. Yeah, and which is but you wonder too, like, how, how are they doing this We saw Psychic TV at the border crossing into Vancouver yesterday. We, we, you know, pulled in and went into the building to, for them to check our permit and passports and stuff. Uh-huh. And, Genesis Peoria is in there, and we were like, oh my god, <laughs> she looks amazing. Oh, <laughs> cool. Hey. <laughs> Sorry. So, how do you, how do you guys, uh, during that time when you transitioned to um, uh, Colorado, but were touring a lot too, how did that work out with your third person, your drummer? Well, we didn't have the drummer yet at that point. No, it was just the two of us for a number of years. Um, we we met John, the drummer, in 2013, summer 2013. So that's when he came on board. But up to that point, it was just Ripley and me. And uh, that's what actually that's what enabled us to make a go of it. Was that 
we were this mobile unit, totally self-contained. We could pack up our car and hit the road, and it was, um, that's totally why we're here now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's wild, yeah, because, um, and I feel that it's becoming more and more common, you know, for people just to have a very limited lineup, which helps so much. Yeah. And, and then just head out there with their instruments. And yeah. They're programmed, you know, pre-programmed back thing and they like sprinkle on top of it. I mean so many musicians now, which is amazing to me that are like looping. Oh yeah. Um, and I'm yeah. like, I don't know how to <laughs> 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 like I've never been Yeah, we said <laughs> one of our first the first summer we went on tour in Europe, um, we met Juliana Barwick and she was on tour by herself. Um, you know, she does the vocal is like vocal looping pieces really amazing but she was touring by train wow yeah just going around on her own it was pretty cool that's so cool yeah that'd be interesting though like what if your venue is really fun I mean I guess just taxis and stuff yeah I think they'll I mean they're pretty um the hospitality is really nice over there they'll if you're on your own they'll probably come get you at the station yeah, yeah oh my god yeah <laughs> Yeah, and, oh, speaking of weird ones, what about, like, I'm sure you've had the venue owner who, like, shows up and takes you out to dinner. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Which is really amazing, but sometimes they're straight up wackos, too. <laughs> sometimes. I mean, this is a field that attracts its share of characters yeah, yeah. <laughs> wherever you go. Suddenly you're, like, in a place you don't feel comfortable or necessarily say is that a story you want to tell no but good job on me for doing that <laughs> i was just trying to see if you you know had one of those stories because they're so unique and bizarre well we always ask wherever we go we ask to go somewhere local like where they have whatever the traditional food yeah. is yeah just to see the scene and that can lead to some pretty interesting places do you have favorites um, like, okay, next time we're in Philly, we're going back to this place or whatever. No, not usually. We try to mix it up, I think. Yeah. And a lot of the time we're playing at different venues in different parts of town. Mm -hmm. So we kind of wander, wander out and see what we see. Yeah. Do you look it up? Sometimes. In the States, we look it up. Yeah. When we're abroad, we just want to go wherever the local people yeah. go. <laughs> um, but well, in the States, we'll figure out what, and what our angle is. If you're like in Europe, which I haven't even done a European tour, but um, you guys have. Um, you know, culturally, trust them a little bit more. Whereas like here in America, like everybody's, you know, it's such a melting pot of culture. Like we don't have, like, what's the best restaurant here, you know, everybody yeah. won't agree on the best restaurant, you know. Yeah, I mean, sometimes we've gotten good tips from bartenders and oh, people yeah. at the venue and stuff here, but yeah, in, in Europe, it's, touring over there is a whole different animal, you know, they're very, a lot of the time they'll have a dinner planned or there's some really nice, you know, funded venue where they make something yeah. in the kitchen at the venue and it's... 
And it's then, a totally different thing. <laughs> this whole thing of like touring with Dinosaur Jr., that's like a whole nother level. Oh, it's amazing. We're so thrilled and beyond thrilled yeah. to have it's the chance. Really good too. <laughs> Thanks. Like, if I can say it, I thought, oh, this that's a good bill. That makes sense. You know? <laughs> Which it doesn't necessarily always make sense. That's true. You know? That's true. They could both be good bands, but for, you're like, no. Oh, that band isn't going to go over well with their crowd, you know? Yeah. But you guys are, yeah. Well, we're huge fans of these guys and yeah. have been for a long time. Well, and kind of like what I like about their music, it's, it's a similar thing I like about your music. It's a rhythmic and repetition, you know, mm-hmm. kind of um, seance, if you know. <laughs> like in each song, you know, you kind of get... Has a groove. Yeah. 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 They're they're fantastic. Yeah. Um, how did that end up happening? Um, we just sort of put our name in the hat. Oh really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really great. So we got lucky. Totally. Cause so often it's you know friends or uh, same label, mm-hmm. same booking company or whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, we have we have a great booking agent who, you know, helped us out. Sure. For yeah. sure. <laughs> Enabled us to do this. Yes. There's always yeah. a back door somewhere. Yeah. Even in the most fortunate of circumstances. Well, it's been really great talking with you. I feel like this is a conversation we probably would have had uh, if we had run into each other, but, you know, anyway. So. Yeah, I like the concept. Yeah, that's a good you. concept. Yeah, thanks. Well, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. All right, great talking with her. And again, uh, they are on tour. Mundo is opening for Dinosaur Jr. all over the country right now. Big national tour for them. So. Go check them out live. Um, it was a really good show. Really great record um, that they just put out called uh, Shadow of the Sun. You can check that out. And um, if you like this show, which I don't know why you would, but if you do, and there's a few of you out there, I guess, would you please write a review on iTunes? Because every podcast needs that for exposure. When you go to your little app and you know are looking through, looking for new podcasts or or new music podcasts that's what gets us in your feed there it's just the number of reviews and we have a lot of listeners i know you're out there and and i hear from you get nice emails from you i appreciate that but uh what i'd really like is a review like a five star one i don't know why you'd give us that either but if you do that it'd be great okay that's enough for today check us out on instagram we have the handle bd and the sheiks and on Twitter, I created a separate Twitter page, which I don't really know why I did that, but I did it to give you announcements if you follow us on it. We have the handle right behind us, W-R-I-T-E, just like this podcast app. Okay, I'm done. Have a great week, everybody. Until the next episode. <laughs>